Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Happy NFL Draft Day. The Bucks will be on the clock at pick number 14, or so we think. What will they do? We'll break it all down with my buddy cop, Eduardo Encina of the Tampa Bay Times. And it took a simple game of catch for Rob Gronkowski to want to join Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. We'll tell you how this trade came down and talk about the NHL's plans for the playoffs on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Bursnick. So, Steve, we had a uh, big Zoom press conference, introductory conference, I guess you would say, with Rob Gronkowski. Um, I, I've seen him at Super Bowls, interviewed him before. Wasn't exactly sure what to expect uh, this time around, but I, I would think that if you if you watch that and you can go online and see it, um, you know, tembay.com, we have it posted as well. Um, not what you'd expect necessarily for the, for the first blush. Uh, the guy was <laughs> extremely thoughtful, um, engaging, not crazy, you know, not not some of the antics that you would expect that we've seen from him in the past, but just really um, just really somebody that, that is looking to restart his career and feels good about his chances of of, of playing and being healthy and, and doing all those things with Tom Brady again. I, I thought it was an impressive, uh, impressive interview. Well, and, and he's got this reputation as being, a, you know, a, a partier, maybe an mm-hmm. oaf or, you know, Gronk. I mean, and, and you asked the question yeah. today at the you know, what's the difference between Gronkowski and Gronk? Right. And, and he's got this reputation of Gronk, which is kind of an alter ego. And it's, you know, he likes mm-hmm. to have fun in this, but that's not actually, he's more than that and always has been. He just doesn't, nobody perceives it that way because of this alter ego or whatever you want to call it. That's Gronk. Um, yeah. You know, there's a reason he's one of the best tight ends ever. And, you know, part of it's natural, you know, physical ability in that. But he also works his butt off. Yeah, we, he does. we know that. And, and that's one of the reasons Brady loves him. I mean, Brady's not going to sit there and love anyone who's not busting his ass as hard as Brady is. Right. You know, great people like to surround themselves with other great people. Absolutely. And, you know, um, we've seen, you know, during his retirement, he's done a bunch of things. Of course, you know, the 24-7 champ for WWE WrestleMania um, you know, saw him on the Masked Singer wearing his white tiger outfit and all that. So he's like he's had fun during his uh, retirement, if you will. And and more than that, you know, he's gotten his body back. Um, you know, he told us. I thought it was interesting in the interview. He said that you know, this guy, of course, we've gone through you know the the litany of injuries that he's had throughout his career. Uh, he's left pieces of him all of himself all over the NFL. And even after the final game, which was the Super Bowl, uh, the greatest comeback in a Super Bowl history when Brady brought the Patriots back against Atlanta down 28-3 to and they won in overtime, Gronkowski said, you know, he, had, he could barely walk after that game. He had a, a dent taken out of his quad that's still there that he'd like to have fixed before he resumes. But, you know, he said he just took a, a bunch of time off to let his body heal. He's dropped a, a, a lot of weight, 15 pounds, down to 250 pounds. And, you know, he looks great. I mean, he looks refreshed. And not surprisingly, you know, it was last July that there was a big deal made of Brady playing catcher, throwing with Gronkowski at UCLA. 
And I recall those stories where we thought, oh, he's coming back, you know, and, and, he, and he wasn't. He didn't, he didn't have the fire to do that. It was too soon after he had walked away or limped away. And, you know, then what we found out, you know, sort of on Wednesday was that there was another game of catch, and that one was about two months ago. And he said, you know, when he was throwing with Brady, he, he was interested to know, you know, sort of what Brady was going to do. He didn't press him on it. Um, but as they were, as they were tossing it around, you know, he realized that, uh, he did have the fire to play again and he told Brady about it and he said, and Brady got really excited. And so, you know, when Tom wound up coming to Tampa Bay, um, I think Tom already had it in his mind that Gronk would join him and, and, and he wanted him to obviously, and Gronk wanted to play again. So this was a natural, you know, there, there were some reports, I think Ian Rappaport, some others said that, that are intimated that Brady made it a a condition of him signing with any team. So no matter where he went, they had to also agree uh, to trade for Rob Gronkowski. Now the Bucks tell me, take it for what it's worth, that Brady never made it an ultimatum. He never said, you know, this is a condition of me of me signing in Tampa Bay. Remember, we were told all he asked for were the phone numbers to the other players. Well, he had Gronk's phone number, and I think he might have passed that one to Jason Light and Bruce Arians, but Arians told some people, I think a reporter at CBS, that um, you know that, that really Brady had been pushing for this and kept pushing for it, and then Light finally, you know, decided to do the deal with uh, New England, giving them a fourth round, getting a seventh round back, and getting Gronkowski. And so everybody seems happy, and uh, I really do think you know it, it's a good addition because Brady has a guy he trusts, and and we 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 know in his previous interviews he talks about how he won't throw a ball to a guy he doesn't trust. Uh, well, he trusts this one, and he's thrown you know almost eight thousand yards of passes and um, eighty touchdowns, nearly uh, to to Gronkowski. So, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a nice combination. But he was he was fired up. You know, he had some he had some food pause. I mean, it's, clearly he doesn't know a whole lot about this organization. I mean, he you know that was the story I wrote in the Tampa Bay Times. You can read it on TampaBay.com. But basically, um, there's one reason he's here, and it's to play with the greatest quarterback of all time. You know, it's to play with Tom Brady. Uh, you know, he did it for nine seasons. And those guys have a pretty good age gap, you know. Um, he's kind of like an older brother uh, to Gronk, who will be 31 next month. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, like he said, he goes, you know, there are certain receivers that they go from one team to another and they just don't have that chemistry. And I can pick up, you know, we can pick up a football a year later and it's like we never stop throwing, you know. Like it's just it, that that's that's kind of the, you know, kind of the connection we have. And so why not continue it? And he he always felt like he would return to football. He always felt like, you know, he loves the game. But but physically, you know, it's going to be a story, right? It's going to be something that they're going to have to watch closely. And uh, I thought it was interesting. I think uh, Greg Allman got in a line of questioning about, you know, well, how how much do you think you will play when you when you do line up? And all that remains to be seen. He played a lot of snaps when he wasn't hurt, obviously. But I thought Gronk, you know, Gronk sounded like a guy, Steve, that wants to t- this time around take a little bit care of, more care of his body, and and if they ask him to play less snaps and that preserves him for sixteen games, he seems okay with it. Yeah, well, I think as you get older and, and look, you know, the injuries he's been through, I, th- I think it's natural. Um, yeah, and and look, it's in the Bucks' best interest to protect him as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, their goal is to make the playoffs and, and hopefully make a run a lot deeper than just getting to the playoffs. And, yeah. and a healthy Gronk helps you, especially when we know that in the biggest games is when he plays the best. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, which you know, balls. also leads you to believe that there's a reason they want to keep O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait with him. 
is that sure. having those three tight ends, and you still have Hudson and Eau Claire and that too, but mm-hmm. having those three tight ends allows you to limit the, the wear staff. and tear that Gronk's going to take. It's a great point. Um, something that haven't been brought up, and and uh, and again, I you know, I understand leverage in these things, and we're right, we're we're you know we're on the e, we're right now you know, doing the draft is today, and so um, you know when a couple of days ago, you know, you're you're kind of being told by the Bucks, hey, um, we signed Gronkowski, but we're we're all about you know we could play twelve personnel, one back, two tight ends, and you know uh, that would be great for OJ Howard, and you learn so much and. You know, you wonder how much of that is posturing so they get a better deal. But I, I don't think they'll – I don't think they'll just give away Howard. I, I mean, if they got the right compensation, surely they would. I don't know what that is, if that's a second-round pick or what. But no one's given it to him so far, right? So it isn't the worst idea. I mean, he's on his rookie contract. Um, you know, Brait took a reduction to stay here. be kind of unfair of them to suddenly say, hey, you know, I know you, you could have been a free agent, but – now that we got Gronkowski, we're not going to cut you loose at this hour. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure that will happen, but it is possible, you know, that they do something with him. I, I, there was a report that they had, you know, talked to the Washington Redskins that that, that might have been an option. But all I know is that uh, Gronk is excited to, uh, you know, to join to join Tom. He knows enough about this team. I think what happened was, quite frankly, when Brady signed, as you know, that was just sort of, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic that when we were quarantined. That's all there was on on TV. I mean, the, the sports had stopped, and the Bucks getting Brady, you know, was a week of Buck highlight films. I mean, all you saw was Mike Evans making all these great plays and Chris Godwin. Um, and so, you know, you sit home, you're you're Rob Gronkowski watching this, and you're going, "Wow, you know, these guys are pretty good. They got some pretty good talent." And he'll learn the names. He he called Chris Goodwin called Godwin Goodwin. I love, can't wait to play with Chris Goodwin and Cameron Brat or Brett. B-A-R-T, B-A-R-T, Brat, I guess he said. But uh, he'll learn their names, and uh, they certainly know his. And that's uh, that's probably more important. But I just want to know if the throwing session between Gronk and Brady, and and when Gronk was asked the question, he was like, oh, like a couple weeks or a week. No, a couple uh, months ago. ago. Was it actually last week in the park in Tampa when they got busted? (laughs) It's a great question. I mean. I mean, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't was, reports was that there was anyone with Brady, but there could have been. It could have been Gronk he was throwing to there. They didn't say that there weren't people with him. That's the interesting thing. No, the Tampa yeah. mayor kind of released it kind of awkwardly. said, well, there's this guy, and it turns out we went up to him. And, you know, but he wasn't just throwing a ball up in the air to himself and catching it. You know what I mean? Like, he had to be out there for a reason unless it was just a jog in the sun. But I got to believe somebody was with him. I was on, I was on with Dan Patrick uh, the other day and, and uh, yesterday, and, and he said he asked, um, "Was was Brady alone?" Like, what? And I'm like, I, you know, it's a great question. I don't know. You know, the other confusion was that Jane Castor said that uh, you know. So anyway, Brady was cited, and this is after saying how he you know sort of walked onto a closed park and was asked to leave. So we thought cited is does she mean C I T E D or is it S I G H T E D? Well, it turned out it was the latter. Um, so she met a Brady sighting, but um, but yeah, maybe 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 Gronk was with them. Who maybe, knows? maybe this just happened last week. I mean, it may not have been two yeah. months ago that the fire was. That's late. right. Yeah, maybe Gronk was throwing with them last week. That would have been a better story, actually. Like I, I wish maybe I, you know, I don't think he was. We didn't press him for the details, of like where this took place. It didn't sound like he was interested in nailing down the time either. Um, but uh, my guess is, though, you know. Th- 
look, almost, almost, and I, we talked about this on podcast, almost immediately once Brady signed here, there was more than some suspicion that Gronk was coming. Uh, and, you know, what, what it took, to, what what level and, and what, you know, how, how much haranguing they had to do with the Patriots to get some deal done, I don't know. Um, well, the other thing but, is it, so, trading for Gronk couldn't have been a condition because it takes two to tango in a trade. I mean, yeah, the you Patriots can't the end, didn't have to the trade Patriots. Right. But it could have right. been, hey, I'd love to play with him again. He's interested. Yeah, let's do this. You know, I, I would love you to make a run for this. And if Tom Brady's asking for that, to ask for one of the greatest tight ends ever to come with him, of course you're going to inquire and try to see if you can make a deal. I got and, news for and, you. And, you Tom, and the Bucks Tom, had all the leverage, so it you know they didn't have to give up yeah. much at the end of the day. No, but if if Tom if Tom Brady asks for me, right, asks the Bucks to hire me to carry his bags onto an airplane, they'll do it. <laughs> I don't know him that well, and it'd be a hell of a job. But I mean, I'm just saying, like. Haven't we? Don't we agree that he can pretty much do anything over there right now, and and he's sort of got the power, right? Is there anyone more? Is Bruce Arians in more control than Tom Brady right now? I wouldn't think so. And, and the funny thing is, Brady <laughs> hasn't either. been in the building yet, as far as we know. <laughs> as far as we know, <laughs> I mean, I first of all, I don't believe any of it. Okay? Well, I'm not, I'm not saying he hasn't. I'm just, yeah. you know, as far as anyone knows, he hasn't even been in the building yet, and he's Snuck running the place. Him in. He's running the joint. Yeah. Just like he had never been to, to Jeter's house until the day he moved in. Never saw the place, I bet. No, of course not. Never never been to Tampa, you know. That's when the guy goes, I don't want to talk about process. But anyway, um, it, it's been it's been an interesting couple of days. And, and, you know, not that there's a, just a whole NFL draft starting tonight, right? I mean, tonight was supposed to be the night of intrigue and, and sort of the Bucks, you know, upstaged their own event this week. And um, – you know, so hey, there, if nothing else, man, I mean, you see Stephen A. every day, you know, talking about the Bucks and you know how this team's a Super Bowl team, I, I, you know, and they're just going on and on. I mean, it's it's they've made themselves, and I I must have done another you know four rounds of interviews with with national shows, and and everybody's like, boy, it's really you guys must be having fun down there. It's like, well, we're not. We're doing what you're doing. But it is interesting. It is something to write about. And and I'll just say this. We'll end on this as far as Gronk goes, I guess. But I'm telling you, Steve, like I, I got almost almost melancholy thinking about a season with these players, right, with, with what should be the most excitement there's been here at least since after the Super Bowl or around Super Bowl time in 2002. And the prospect of, of playing games – Right, playing games without fans in that or any other stadium with those players wearing Bucks uniforms is tragic to me. It, it you know, it's 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 almost almost cruel in a way. Um, I know people would watch and they'd watch on TV and they'd watch every game. Also, think it's going to be hard for players. I don't think player, you know, baseball. I, I played baseball and and it's always nice to have crowds and things like that. I think any athlete feels the adrenaline, gets energy. Um, you know, you're performing, right? You're performing when you're an athlete and, um, you know, but, but you can't try harder because the crowd is jacked up in baseball. You know, it's the old Joe Madden thing. Try less, you know? Um, cause if you grip the bat so tight that there's sawdust coming out of it, believe me, you're not going to get a hit. But, you know, in football, football is the one sport where the more effort you have, the better your results are going to be, Right. If you can hold your block, if you can get off the ball, if you can beat the guy in front of you, and in effort, if you can hustle to the ball, you can run to the ball, 
um, break tackles, you know, do all those effort things, you get rewarded for it in football. And that's what the crowd does for football players is it gives them energy. It, get, it makes them try harder and, and, and you know, run faster and, and, and give more effort. Um, and, and, and these guys are professional athletes. I mean, they'll, they would compete like hell. They didn't get here without being the best competitors, and they would compete like hell in a pickup game, you know, as, you know, you've seen Michael Jordan and other people do. But there's something that's going to be lacking, and the thing that's really going to stink is if, um, you know, they get to past training camp and they start the season at some point and fans can't be in that stadium because that place, I'm telling you, we've all seen it. It's been a while, but um, I have not seen it. I have not been here. You have since not. Then, you, yeah. And you've been here 10 years, right? I yeah, mean, yeah, it's coming up 10 years this summer. So, yeah. And you, and you have never seen that building the way it used to be when it was almost exclusively Bucks fans. And I mean, filled to the top 65, 65, 66,000 people and all of them cheering for, for the Bucks. It's wild. And, um, and, and I, I'm convinced that's what it would be this year, you know, with Brady, with Gronk, with all they've done in the off season, with, um, you know, bringing back Shaq Barrett, some of the some of the moves there, and we'll see what they add to in the draft. You know, I mean, that's that's still a big part of it. But um, I did. I got you know. There's a point today where I just went, man. It's one thing to, to have to do, you know, a Zoom um, press conference, if you will, which went pretty well, by the way. I thought it I thought it was well organized, and I, I thought mm-hmm. his, he was thoughtful and and he expanded on answers, and it, and it was any, it, the content was as good as anything we would get at a podium. But um, that aside, it's hard. It's hard to do that and not realize what just what this would have been like bringing Brady in here. I mean, we never laid eyes on these guys. We've never been in the same room, you know. And for what, for all I know, Brady hasn't even been, you know, to the Advent Healthcare Center. He's never, never even seen the complex, you know. So um, it's just it's disappointing that way. But um, you know, the Bucks add to it, and and they're going to add again tonight to a bunch of players. Speaking of, of playing without fans. Let's let's talk about. I I think I read something um, about the NHL and and sort of how they're planning to play playoffs. They hope in July. So now how would this work? Because we've talked about how there'd have to be a little bit of run up time, right? Because is hockey you can't go out there and and skate right in Florida and some other places. Well, like you, you need nobody has skated at this point. So I mean that's yes. that's the one thing about hockey compared to the other sports is look basketball. You may have, uh, you know, you have a basketball court in your backyard, possibly in this, and you, you can kind play of, basketball. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, you're not playing a game, and it's not, you know, it's not right. the same. But, but you can you can kind of stay in yeah. basketball shape to a point. Absolutely, uh, football. You can do a lot of the things you need to do uh, in your backyard. You know, if you're a running back, in the you can be running right. in cuts and cone drills, and you know, you name you name it. Right. Uh, baseball. You can be throwing the baseball. You can be hitting a baseball into a net. You can do it. Absolutely. Hockey, you can't be on skates. You don't have ice. Yeah. Now. A lot of players rollerblade, and that helps. But you know, I've heard a lot of NHL it's players say, you know, it it, it kind of keeps you in shape, like skating shape. But it's not the same as feeling mm-hmm. the skates and being on the ice and that. So, hockey right. hockey probably has a longer ramp up to play than any other sport, for the simple fact right. that the players haven't been on the ice for, you know, at this point it's over a month. Um, Jeez. You know, and I think that, I mean, that's like training camp now, isn't? It? I mean, well, essentially, what what they're probably going to have to do is have some workouts. Yeah, and then go to a training camp before they get to games. Mm-hmm. You know, just to mm-hmm. and it's it's to get back in that skating shape. I mean, hockey's got the, the longest ramp up, I believe. Um, yeah. But it sounds like, according to Gary Bettman, that 
they're going to they're, or the plan at the, this point is, and I think it all can change with depending on how the virus does and municipalities and government and, and what happens. But that they want to kind of ramp up over the next what two to three months essentially, and start mm-hmm. playing in July. And it looks sounds like it's, they're playing it now is to play it in four sites, empty arenas. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's 16 teams, if it's 20 or 24. Um, you know, normally the playoffs would be 16, but they may take some extra and and and, and do that. It sounds like they're probably going to start with the playoffs and not have a regular season finish, which makes all the sense in the world. If you're the Detroit Red Wings or the Los Angeles Kings or Ottawa Senators, why do you want to? Why would you bring your players back for 10 games that mean nothing when they haven't skated in two, three, four months? Right, and, you know, and, you know, so it, it makes no sense for them to finish. I mean, the teams in the playoffs, I get, but the teams that are out, it makes zero sense for them to play and do anything. To come back for no, ten games and then shut it back down again for another few months yeah. till you start back again. I mean, all you're doing is risking injury at that point. Absolutely. Um, but it sounds like it's going to be at four sites. Those aren't determined yet, although you've heard some some cities speculated, Raleigh being one of them, and some others. Um, Tampa, Tampa, Tampa. I, I think Tampa. <laughs> I, Look, I mean, come Tampa, on, we got a good, we got no, as good an arena as anybody. Absolutely, Tampa checks a lot of boxes. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, pandemic's for, for, not overrun. Well, yeah, right? yeah the, 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 it's the, not the, Miami. Yeah, the I pandemic mean. here has not been as bad as many other metro areas. You've right. got the hotels. There's no issues with hotels, and and you look, we know Tampa That's knows true. how to you stage. Can walk yeah. them across the street, right? Yeah, I mean, Tampa knows how to stage events. They do it all the time. Yep. I mean, that's and, and at we the last minute all the too, time. from taking <laughs> yeah, over, you know, exactly. Super Bowls to. You know, you name it. So, you know, Houston all, Astros games after the hurricane. You know, the All Star game after they weren't sure if they were going to have an All Star game, and then they decided to. And we had eight months to stage an All Star game in Tampa. I mean, you know, right. Tampa knows how to do that stuff. So, I would think Tampa is a logical possibility. Now, the downside to Tampa is if you're playing July, August, September, oof, the humidity here makes the ice a lot harder. But without fans in the building. It's, oh, there you e- it's go. easier to keep that ice. You're not having the doors opening all the time and bringing 20,000 right. people in. And so it's easier to control that. Now, the plan is, is if you're going to have, you know, four or eight teams in each in each location, essentially, is you're going to be playing two or three games a day. So, you know, that part of it, too. Get, that might know. chew it up a little. Yeah. yeah so you got to figure that part out. But it sounds but like the, NH- the NHL seems to be at least publicly – acknowledging that their hope is to start in July, which would be good. Now, it's not going to have fans God, in the building. It would be so cool. Um, but, you know, if, if assuming that the pandemic doesn't become worse or there's not other circumstances that medically or whatever, you know, a bunch of players come down with it or something, that, you know, the ho- their hope is to start in July and, and have a Stanley Cup playoffs that would end in August, September, and then, you know, probably start the regular season in November, early December next year. Makes sense. It would suck too for you know to not not be able to go see the Lightning if you're a Lightning fan, and and for that matter, all the teams. And and you do, again, they they feed off the crowd and they feed off the energy. However, you know it's it fits on a TV screen just fine. The ice the ice does, and um, you know if you have a tight enough shot, you wouldn't be able to see past the glass anyway. You get the benches on one side, and mm-hmm. who knows what's on the other. So. You know what? Bring bring the organ guy so I can hear the organ between uh, faceoffs. And, uh, when, and you know, we we were we were talking about hit this, the horn you know, when they score, and I'm good. Is Paul Porter going to be there? Going, you know, lightning goal. He you should know, be. Um, which would be oh, sound, sound funny, echoing in an empty arena. But 
Um, <laughs> now, granted, uh, so there's no, there's no, you know, even if Tampa got a site, doesn't mean the Lightning are playing here. I don't know if they would send the Lightning elsewhere. You know, to granted, there's there's no fans, so it's not like your crowd is the the issue with that. But I, you know, yeah, but maybe, maybe you're more comfortable in your surrounding. I don't know. Well, they they might just yeah. I mean, I don't. You know, I'm not. Yeah. I'm assuming that the Lightning would probably be quarantined in the hotel as well. Uh, they wouldn't be of staying course. at their house, so I, I, you know, I don't know they how have they would to do be. that, and I don't think they know yeah. yet. I think they're still working out plans. I mean, the other part is the NHL draft is supposed to be normally would be done in June, and they're debating: do we move that, move that or, do, or do we do it in June? Since we're not going to be playing yet at that point. Well, but, that's true. But here's the issue: and if you're a team like Tampa Bay, this is a, a big thing. Tampa Bay's got a salary cap crunch next year, particularly if the mm-hmm. salary cap goes down, which mm-hmm. is a possibility based on the revenues at this point. Mm-hmm. You use the trade deadline sometime or the the draft to trade players, and still get assets back. So how do you trade a player when you're going into the playoffs in the next three weeks? Right. You know. You know. Let's say you know, just a name that's making a decent amount of money who could be traded is Alex Kalorn. Are you going to trade him at the draft now? If you if your thought was this year you might have to do that to clear salary cap space, are you going to do it before the playoffs now? Yeah. So, you know, but if they push it back to September, October, then it affects the junior schedule next year and those going to college and everything else. So there's issues there too. So there's no there's no easy answer to this stuff. That's the well. Thing. Everything you said, the only of all the things of all the things that have been said here, the one that I'm going to remember is the NHL wants to play in July. <laughs> so you know what? There's hope. I'm just gonna again. I'm going to live in my hopes and not my fears, as John Gruden would say. And I, I just, uh, I need, to, I need to hope for something, some sports somewhere, right? Because right now, all I know is that, uh, what is it? Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods are going to play with yep. uh, Tom Brady and uh, who's the other one? Was it Tony Romo? Brady... Is it Tony? Or no, it's Peyton. It it's Tony. Peyton. I think it's Peyton. No, Peyton Manning. Yeah, it's Peyton. Peyton Manning, of course. Yeah, the rivalry. Yeah, that's yeah. next. That's on next month, apparently, still. So. Tony Romo should call it though yeah. for CBS. Tony, Tony Romo would Tell win it. Friends. I mean, he, he's 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 a really good golfer. <laughs> oh, look at this, Jim. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that would that's uh, Tom. The answer to everything is Tom Brady. In, in, in case you're wondering, it's just Tom Brady. He is. Uh, it's his world, and we're happy to be in it. Quite frankly, uh, one other thing that happened uh, before we get to my buddy Cop Eduardo and Cena, we break down this draft, and it is tonight. Of course, the Bucks. Uh, picking fourth or 14th in the first round right now. And uh, they have a pick in every round. Uh, they had two in the fourth round, but now they have just one. Uh, so literally a pick in every single round because they picked up a seventh rounder, which I'm hoping they deal. Um, but because, uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that Saturday gets to be long. It's like, oh, really? we got to wait another round for the seven? You, you don't, you're going to cut that guy anyway. But um, Major League Baseball, and it's, uh, you know, they're pretty heavy-handed with this punishment, you know, as you know. When it comes to cheating, boy, these guys, they go right to the source. They don't stop with just the owner or the manager or the GM. Turns out some video guy bought it for the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> they kind of slipped this under the rug during the pandemic, didn't they? Oh, yeah, we got the Red Sox, too, and uh, they've been punished. No, they haven't. Yeah, they, they lost they uh, a, a second-round draft pick. A second-round, not even a first-rounder, a second-round draft pick. Yeah, I believe it was second round, and then a video guy got suspended. And Alex Cora, oh, you know, knew nothing. I mean, speaking of Brady, he's got to be going. Jeez, I mean, why can't we get why can't we get that guy to be the commissioner of football? Right? I mean, <laughs> deflated a football. He got four games for God's sakes. 
Um, but yeah, so that's that's been handed down. What else we got? Um, we got, Ed, I mean, we got Eddie. Eddie standing by. Well, yeah, we got we got the draft, and and that's something to look forward to. I'm uh, before we get to Edward. I mean, I, I'm uh, I'm I'm interested because. This will be the first draft I've spent at home. <laughs> first draft that all these 32 other guys have spent at home. So I don't know how it's going to go in my house, much less theirs. Have we seen Jason so, Light's setup yet? I mean, John, good. John Lynch. Yeah, John done. Lynch put his setup online, or you know, showed pictures of you know the. Oh, he's got like he's got three phones and seven monitors, and yeah. you know, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, uh, I didn't know if we've seen Jason Light's setup or if we know the details yet. It looked like William Shatner in the Starship <laughs> Enterprise or something. He had so many boards in there. What the hell? Uh, that's life, Jim, but not as we know it. Uh, so I, you know, I, I think it's going to go good. I, I mean, it is going to be, I got to be heavily rated, right? I mean, these ratings got to be through the roof. I would imagine. Uh, there's nothing. I mean, look at the last dance <laughs> was the highest documentary ESPN's ever done. That's um, right. You and know, less, I got, I got to imagine it'll yeah. be the same. Yeah. So that it'll be cool. And there's some intrigue, not at number one. I think Joe Burrow's going number one. Apparently the, the Bengals have already me, told him that he's their pick. So yeah, yeah. No, no, no surprise there. And it, it needs to be right. And I think oh, the only fan, surprise that fan base would revolt if it wasn't. Oh gosh! Oh yeah, and, and rightfully so. The only intrigue for me is going to be uh, Tua Tungavaloa. I I don't I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the Dolphins are going to do. There was talk about the Dolphins trying to move up to number three, and somebody said for an offensive tackle lineman, tackle. Like, yeah, that's come on, come on. There's no way. Um, Peter Schrager says that Mackay Becton is going to be the last tackle off the board of the Elite Four which may have something to do with his um, incomplete drug test or whatever they had at the Combine. I don't know. Um, but he thinks he might be the guy that's uh, – of course, there's still Josh Jones could come off at some point. Um, and, and, but, yeah, what, what will happen when Miami either moves up, which is crazy, or stays at five and takes quarterback, whether they take Justin Herbert, like most people think, or um, – and, and, and let me tell you something. If, if Tungvaloa goes below number six with San Diego, he could drop – a long ways because there's a bunch of teams that aren't looking to sign quarterbacks. Well, either that yeah. or a team like New England the trades team moves up. up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, here comes Belichick. You know, and Bel- um, Belichick yeah. may like that. Going, I got Hoyer next year. I got Stidham. I like. Oh yeah, but, no, they're fine. And yeah, load up at the position. I mean, you got to find your next Brady, right? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be something? That would be just like you know, Belichick loses Brady and then he picks a guy that plays the next twenty years. I don't know. I don't know that Bill will be coaching him at ninety. But, I don't know um, if Tua can stay healthy for twenty years, but yeah, yeah, and stayed healthy for twenty games. Um, that's been his problem. But you know, my whatever my we've talked about this. Whatever Miami does, I think it's going to be wrong. Anyway, <laughs> we've imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. <laughs> Lots of draft talk, and let's get into it now. Eduardo Draft Day, you can feel the excitement, at least in my house, and that's the only place we'll feel it is in our homes because this is a different kind of draft. Let's face it, we're all we're all sort of uh, self-quarantined. The entire league is going to attempt to do this, um, you know, sort of uh, remotely, if you will, virtual. 
So the virtual draft begins. And um, first and foremost, you've looked into this a lot. You've talked to, you talk to Jason Light and others about it. How do you think this is going to go? I mean, are we going to have some glitches that will be fun to look back on in the future, or is this going to be fairly you know, big to do about nothing? Well, first off, Rick, I'm very, I'm, I'm virtually, very virtually excited here to, <laughs> to be here with you on draft day. Um, we, we've talked about this a lot, just off off to the side. Is just that, you know, you really don't know. You know, this is, this means a lot, just not just to the NFL, not just to the draft. It means a lot to everyone in sports because at some time they might have to do a similar thing, and this is kind of the test case for everyone. You know, in a couple months, you know, Major League Baseball is going to have a draft. Obviously, there's going to be the NBA draft. You know. There's a lot of things that are going to happen here that, you know, people are going to be looking in, into Roger Goodell's basement and uh, making sure that seeing what worked and what didn't work, you know. So, um, you know, as of right now, I, you know, just like we've heard from from Jason Light is like you, you you hear that, you know, everything should work. Everything's expected to work. You know, you have all you're taking a lot of precautions just in case, you know, your video video conferencing goes out. You know, you got phones by you, you know, so. But, you know, we really don't know until we see it. You know, obviously they had this mock draft thing, I think it was on Monday, uh, to kind of test case. And, you know, I think there were a couple bugs there with it, within it. But, uh, you know, we'll see We'll see starting tonight and see, uh, see how it works out. I mean, it can't completely go ex- exactly how everyone plans it to. There's just too many things that, that, that are at play there, too many factors, I think, that, that will make this like, that this thing will go off completely seamlessly. But, you know, who knows? Yeah, and I, and I don't, you know, I think the NFL is prepared for, you know, usually you're on the clock, and I can remember one draft in all the years, it's quite a few years I've done this, that, that a team, for whatever reason, wasn't prepared, right? That, that their right. their time came and the clock ran out, the 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever they had, um, and they had to pass. I mean, it was, it was the Minnesota Vikings, as a matter of fact. And um, and that that means that the, the team that's next on the board gets to choose and you go behind them. So, I mean, I, I think if there's a glitch, if there's some technical difficulty, like they said, they can always, you know, pick up the phone and call the NFL's director of player personnel directly and, and, and just make, make the choice. And they'll hold the clock. So I, I don't think a team's going to get, you know, shut out if, uh, if something were to happen. But there could be some funny moments, starting with Roger, Roger Goodell is going to be virtually booed when he takes the <laughs> stage. So I don't know, I don't know how that's going to work exactly. Um, but it'll be fun. Um, this is this is you know the NFL is going to take a, a little bit of criticism. I thought John Lynch. It was interesting reading a story um, that that they had the other day about how you know he he feels a little conflicted, and I think probably there's a lot of I've talked to people even at, at one Buck place that feel this way too. That you know it's strange with what we're going through as a nation and the pandemic and everything kind of shut down um, that the NFL sort of marches forward. That nothing is slowing it. This is their off season. Obviously, this is a big event. Now they're not doing it in Las Vegas, you know, which would have been cool, you know, with the boats and the fountains and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but, but they have not, you know, they had the free agency and, and that was really at the beginning of this. And now we're, um, you know, everybody, there's states that are starting to reopen, but not, not totally. And yet they plow forward. So I guess the, on the one hand, it's going to be well watched. It's going to be the best ratings they ever had because it's a, it's an actual, some, some sort of live sports event. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's good. And it's a distraction for people that are probably tired of looking at each other and, you know, sitting around and not having many options on, on television. So, but as far as the bucks go, uh, you, look, I've, I've written this, you've talked about it. I, I think that when you, uh, 
you know, signed Tom Brady, which I guess they signed him, and we've never seen him except uh, maybe some park and recs person that kicked him out of a park in Tampa. No one's really, really had a chance to get that close to him. But when you have him at quarterback, you got to be all in, right, Ed? I mean, in other words, we know that they have they have needs, and right tackle would seem to be the biggest mm-hmm. need because they didn't resign Demar Dotson. Uh, they they really need to start to replenish that position in general. And if you're going to protect Tom Brady, you, you've got it. You've got to address that right away, and yet there are four primary uh, offensive tackles or elite offensive tackles, maybe five if you include Josh Jones, which I, I think there's an argument to be made that he'll be a first-round pick from Houston. But, you know, do, do they get aggressive? Are they going to be able to? Do they need to? Will one fall to them at 14? Or uh, do you think there'll be so many teams trying to get up with Jacksonville, with other picks for various players, including offensive tackles, that the Bucks might get shut out at that position at number 14 if they have to stay there? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough call because obviously, you know, if if that's such a position of need, as, as we know it is, you know, I mean, like, you have all due respect to Joe Haig, who they signed in the offseason, you know, they, they'd like to have someone, you know, better there at that right t- tackle spot, at least on right. in, in week one, is, you know, what are you more comfortable with? Are you more comfortable with sitting there at 14? And, you know, the odds are that, you know, you'll probably get one of those four guys, but it might not be the guy you want. You know, mm-hmm. and or moving up to, say, nine at Jacksonville or, you know, even maybe seven someplace like that to ensure that you have the choice of the guy you really want. You know, and so, you know, that that's such a tough choice because also then, you know, you're, you're trading away some picks, whether that's this year or next year too, to to get to get better. But, you know, we're looking at a two year frame here, too, you know, with, with, with Tom Brady. You know, we've you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, would they are. are you know, do, do they pick a, you know, even, even as, as far as, as, as this draft goes, you know, do they take a quarterback late in the fourth or fifth round, you know, or is that pick more valuable, you know, getting a depth piece that you can utilize now, you know, even though, right. Right. You know, maybe, maybe that player doesn't, you know, doesn't get a huge amount of snaps, but at least they're there in the fold, you know, um, versus like a developmental quarterback that, you know, is basically just going to hold a clipboard and learn under Brady. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of things. And I think, from what they do this weekend, we'll find out a lot about where their mentality is this year. You know, it's like, you know, uh, in terms of, of that quote unquote, win all win, you know, win all in kind of mentality right now. And they've got to be that way. You know I mean? Tom Brady's 43 years old, who knows how long he's going to play, but you know, he's only under a two year deal. And uh, you know, that that's something that they've really got to, you know, they're all in, you know, there's no doubt they're all in. There's no, there's no, no arguing it. Yeah, and I mean, if you just if you kind of go through the you know the picks b- before them a little bit, I mean, I think the Giants most likely if they you know if they don't trade out or whatever, I mean, they could go defense with Isaiah Simmons. We've seen that a lot with the Clemson linebacker, mm-hmm. but they could also take an offensive lineman. It's possible, or somebody sure. could get to them uh, and move down. I, I think that the Arizona Cardinals are absolutely going to take one because they re-signed um, their left tackle. They need a right tackle. Um, the the Jaguars could also take an offensive lineman if they stayed at nine, if they don't trade out of there. Cleveland most definitely is looking for an offensive lineman. The same is true probably with the New York Jets. Um, so there's there's a number of teams ahead of them, and, and San Francisco, the 49ers who pick at 13, just, a, just in front of them, um, they're looking to move out, and so some team could come and, and even just leapfrog Tampa Bay and, and take maybe the final tackle. So and again, you need you need two teams. I think you know people think that it, well, you should move up, you know, and that'd be great. But 
you got to have a dance partner. And usually if there's a number of teams that want to move up, that means that, you know, you're going to have to pay more compensation to do it. And, you know, then it becomes, well, what if they want my second round pick this year? I think that's off the table, by the way. I think that you could package a combination of players and or draft picks, Eduardo, but I don't see them using this year's second rounder only because I think that's where you're going to see a, a good group of running backs, guys that can catch the ball in particular, three down backs, that, that are going to come off the board early or in, in, by the mid-round of the second round. I don't think the Bucks can afford to do anything with that unless they were to pick up a second rounder somewhere along the way. Yeah, I think the two of these things that really com- complicate this is you know, we talk about two positions that you know, you know there's a lot of talent, you know there's a lot of depth there, but really you don't know exactly who values what too. You know I mean? Who values right. which guy? You know, each of those four linemen, you know, you, depending on what mock draft or what, what personnel people you talk to, they have one guy rated one and one guy rated four, and it's totally different for another guy, you know, and it's kind of the same thing with the running backs. You know, I think for the most part, most people agree that there's going to be a lot of guys there available in the second round, but you know, how they peel off, how quickly they peel off, who peels off first, you know, I think that that's a, that, that's kind of a big question. You know I mean? You're talking about guys like, you know, Jonathan Taylor, you know, uh, you know, DeAndre Swift, you know, guys like that who, you know, who, where do they go? And, you know, just from looking at, at different mock drafts and, you know, they're not the Bible, but, you know, they've got these guys kind of all over the place, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of those situations where, you know, but, but there's no doubt that the Bucks do see, and as everyone does in this draft, that there's some ability to get a, a really good third, three down running back, a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield, which goes back to the whole notion of protecting Tom Brady, you know, whether it's a guy who's, you know, defending his, his front side at right tackle, or it's a, you know, a guy who can swing out and catch balls out of the backfield and, uh, you know, and, and, and run the ball as well. Uh, you know, th- that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about, you know, adding on and building around Brady is, is obviously you wrote about uh, on Sunday in, in the times. And we've been writing about a lot is that that's the focus here is, you know, you, you, you've, you've got to build around him. And that's what, you know, the emphasis is going to be, you know, even when we get down to, you know, the set third and fourth rounds, you know, we talk about, you know, there's no doubt that this uh, this draft has a lot of depth receiver wise. And, you know, you can probably find a, a guy down there who, you know, may not be the best receiver on the block, but maybe he's a guy who's, who's got some skills. Maybe he's a guy who can run and, uh, and has some, some speed. And, you know, that's another thing that they could use too. So, um, you know, that's what this draft is going to be all about is, is it going to be about, you know, one way or the other kind of trying to build around the quarterback. Yeah, and and you wrote about uh, you know in the Tampa Bay Times about these uh, this this group of tackles and um, you know they they all offer something a little different. I think the guy who has if you're talking about just primarily a right tackle um, as far as the position goes, I think Jedrick Wills the third you know is is sort of that guy from Alabama that's played there. That's been his primary spot. Um, but really, all these guys are good players, and it is sort of beauties in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, I don't have a I don't really have a good feel for who their number one as we sit here and, and we do this podcast. I'm not completely sure who their number one guy would be. And frankly, you've looked at this long. There doesn't seem to be a complete consensus. Right. It's again, no, it's sort not. of like yeah, I mean, who you like. There's um, you know, there's really no consensus. You know, I mean, like there's each one of these guys that does something really well. You know, like you said, Wills is probably the most polished guy, you know, which in, in a lot of people's eyes would make them you know, the number one guy because you can just plug and play him. Right. Uh but, you know, Mekhi Becton, you know, from Houston, he's a guy who's huge, fast for his size, just a guy who just can swallow people up. Um, you know, 
it'd be interesting to see what, what happens to him because obviously there was a little bit of a, a situation with him with a I think a marijuana uh, test or something like that that might mm-hmm. might hinder his uh, you know who knows how, how people look at that obviously kind of the rules have changed a little bit but um, you know uh, Tristan Wirth from Iowa a guy who tested really well at the combine a uh, guy who has some speed uh, for for a, one of the probably the fastest guy most athletic guy out of that group. Um, and then Andrew Thomas from Georgia, who's just a solid, fundamentally sound guy, uh, can play both sides of the line. And, um, you know, so each one of these guys has got something, you know, like you said, Josh Jones is another guy there too, who's, mm-hmm. who's shown, shown a lot too out of Houston. So, uh, you know, like I would, I would agree with you that, that probably Wills is, if you had your choice of the four, you know, right. and, and being in the situation the Bucks are in, you'd want the guy who you have the most faith that, you know, he can go in there and, and, and handle his own. Um, so I would think Wills would be the guy, but, um, but yeah, like there, there's really no consensus. You see Thomas, the number one, you see, uh, you know, Worf's being the first guy yeah. picked, you know, Becton's been a guy who's kind of gone up and down because, yeah. you, know, the, the, you know, just because of his size, his size is a plus and it can also be a minus too mm-hmm. um, when you get to the NFL. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's really a fascinating part of it. And, you know, one thing that I wrote was just the fact that, you know, there's an agreement that these guys are all really good. There's no agreement of where they rank, but you yeah. know, sometimes you know, this isn't a really an, an exact science too, when it comes to offensive linemen, because no, uh, you know, just, just the adaptation from the college game, you know, Bruce Arians talks about a lot, you know, these guys aren't used to playing the huddle. They're not used to being in three point stances, you know, and, and, you know, even the best guy, you know, Wills, who's like, you know, on Alabama, he's playing against the top competition. He's ninety nine percent. He's better than ninety nine percent of the players he's going to go against on 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 Saturday. When you get to Sunday, that all changes. You know, and and a lot of the stuff that 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 makes those guys great is going to get exposed a little bit. You know, and and that's where the technique stuff comes in. And so, a polished guy who has really good technique, you know, and, and maybe. Can can make use that to make up for maybe some of the learning curve that these guys kind of go through early on. You know, I mean, we look at the, at the at the Bucks. You know, the Bucks offensive line, and you know, they got some guys who came in and, and contributed right away on that line, right? You know, mm-hmm. but a guy like Alex Kappa, you know, he had to wait a year. You know, and we yeah. didn't see Alex Kappa for his entire rookie year basically, and then he came in right. and you know he learned and, and he did a pretty good job at, at at right guard last year. You know, I mean, Donovan Smith, Ali Marpet, those guys, you know. They, they kind of came on pretty early. They came on early, but you know, it's it's not. It, there's nothing guaranteed about. It. And sometimes, you know, we talk about guys who, you know, Laramie Tunsil. You know, uh, that's a guy who was when we go into the draft, he was really hyped. He had that video that came out with him with a bong that dropped him down. You know, but after a couple of ten years, minutes came, before the draft, by the way, right, ten right, minutes is all it was before the draft. Right, and 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 mm. you know, but but he his draft stock went down really low. But, you know, he's kind of yeah. developed over the past couple, you know, two, three years, and they were really good offensive linemen. You know, sometimes Robo. it takes a little, yeah. bit of, a little bit of time for some of those guys. So the, the Bucks are in a position, though, where they really can't wait. You know, you can't wait on a guy. You've got to get that's a guy who's, who's ready to go, and that's really what's, what's going to kind of come into play here. I think what's hard, what's hard about it, Ed, is that even under the best of circumstances, we've heard Arians talk about, you, you go back to the, the story you wrote about developing them, I mean – you know, the college game is different for all the reasons yeah. you just mentioned. But in addition to that, there's so many rules that even if they were in the, the training facility in phase one of their offseason program, the offensive linemen aren't putting on pads until training camp. And right. how you can, you can get them in the classroom and they can learn the offense and all those things and they can even work on stances and technique. But when you can't have contact, you really can't 
begin to develop a guy until he's in pads facing another NFL defensive player. And, and for that reason, we don't know when training camp is going to happen. We don't know what it's going to look like. There's a good chance there won't be a preseason, uh, perhaps some joint practices, but there's a chance that, that whoever the player is won't see an NFL, you know, another team's NFL player until opening day, whenever that might occur. So th- there's even more of a, of a you know, of, of a, situation where you don't have a chance for a learning curve it's got to it's got to be plug and play and oh by the way one missed block and if Tom Brady doesn't see the guy went off the line of scrimmage he you know there goes your season or what's left of it and so I mean I I even and I don't have any clue as to to whether they would do this but I mean we know for example that you know the Washington Redskins they're going to make Trent Williams available right and he but he's 31 years old now there are people that say um you know, the Redskins would like a second round pick for him. I, I don't know. I mean, do you do that with a Tom Brady? Do you say we'll take a veteran? And, and some people that have evaluated this um, believe that right now, even at 31, he's better than anybody that's going to come out of the draft this year. Now, he's not a long term solution necessarily, and there might be some contract implications with that. I don't sense the Bucks will do that, but the Cleveland Browns are looking at it and other teams. And he may be a guy that's moved on draft day, and, you know, depending on whether or not you get shut out or you just evaluate, you know, you'd rather have the veteran than, than, a, than a rookie. Right. And you could be, that can affect you two ways too. Is like if the Browns go after him, then that leaves another spot that maybe, you know, the you, guy falls down, to get a guy too, you know, yes, so yes. Trent Williams is, is a big, big factor here because whether, yeah. he, you know, like I, said, I don't think the bucks are necessarily it's like, that's something they would do. But like, you know, if, if, if he's going to be on the move, which it seems like he might be, you know that, and, and especially to one of those teams, we're talking Cleveland, we're talking the Jets, we're talking, you know, the the Cardinals, those those teams ahead of them, uh, the Giants. You know, that 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 affects that. You know, that affects the trickle down too. So it's something definitely to watch, and it's something definitely that's important as you, as you go into draft day because we know there's going to be some trades, you know, and we don't know whether how the impact of some of these trades are, but you know, th- there's there's going to be some stuff that that jumbles all of this, which is why you know. When we look at these mock drafts, you know, it's it's kind of fleeting because you know that the order is not going to end up being the order, you know, and, you know, you know, I, I know that some some of these drafts, you know, towards the end, they just start throwing out, you know, all these trades, too. And, you know, that's not going to be it, too. But, um, you know, it, 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 it's it, there's so much that's going to happen that we don't quite know yet. But just going back to the thing that you mentioned earlier is like, yeah, you, you know, when it comes back to developing these guys is that. You know, you talk about being in pads and it's also, you know, they missing preseason games for these guys would be huge, you know, just because, yeah, would. you know, th- there's one thing putting pads on against a guy. But there's another thing experiencing the physicality of the NFL game against an opponent and an opponent that's also fighting for a position, too, on his roster. Right. So, you know, there's that and there's, you know, th- 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 those are the wake up calls that a lot of rookies get, whether it's an offensive lineman, whether you know we saw. It was some of the cornerbacks last year in the preseason. You know, that, that that's a huge, huge learning area for, for guys in the preseason. And not getting that, you know, they're they're way behind. They're going to be way behind at a disadvantage, um, you know, not having that or, you know, if, if camp is, is shortened, obviously with OTAs, you know, OTAs, the first phase of OTAs would have started on Monday, you know, and, and, and now, so from now on, everything is kind of catch up. So, I mean, the clock kind of starts this week for, you know, off-season preparation and those rookies who would probably be in in a in a rookie camp probably you know next week or the week before that you know they're not yeah. they're probably not going to have that either yeah 
It's going to be weird because typically, um, you know, the player would be drafted and, and maybe he'd be wherever the draft site was or at home. And then by the next day, uh, they'd have him on a private airplane and he'd be, he'd be flying to Tampa. We would meet him probably by Friday or no later than Saturday. And, um, you know, and then they would stay and, and start, you know, honing in on meetings and things like that and get ready. And now they can't do that. I think the one thing that, that to watch in any draft are the quarterbacks and, you know, for the bucks who clearly aren't in the market for one in the first round anyway, um, you know, more of those guys that can go ahead of them, obviously the better, because it's going to push some position players, including maybe offensive linemen to them. Um, we know Joe Burrow. I mean, I'm pretty certain in saying that Joe Burrow is going to go number one to Cincinnati. I don't. I don't think the Bengals are ever going to be, you know, talked out of that at this point. It, it sure seems like that's happening. But you still have the case of uh, to a, a, a you know tongue of Aloha. You have Justin Herbert. Even Jordan Love could definitely go in the first round somewhere. We don't know about Jacob Eason. Maybe he's a second round guy. But if you've got four quarterbacks that these teams are interested in. Um, you know, there's there's a chance that that will help push one of these one of these guys down. You know what Tom Brady does is Tom Brady throws to running backs. I mean, a lot. I went back and looked at this, sure. and in the 19 years he started, he completed over 1,400 and something balls to running backs. I mean, it's incredible. The last five years he's had over 100 completions a year on average to running backs. I'm here to tell you, Ronald Jones may have caught 30 something passes last year. Most of those were screen passes, and he's in the screen game. Not a good blocker. They have to come out of this draft with a pass catching running back. Right. And and, and you're right. Um, you know, it's funny when you look back on the Brady offense a little bit and you look at, you know, the stuff that they run, it's a little different yeah. than the stuff that Arians runs. You know what I mean? It's very yes. you know, it expands the field, you know, horizontally almost, you know, when you think about it. You know, and, and that, you know, there's some eye formation there. You know, when's the last time you saw that in, in Bucks land, you know? Um and you know, but but he always has options, you know, underneath, basically, you know, whether it's a running back in the flat or whether it's a guy over the middle, like he always has these these options. And he's so good at finding guys and delivering the ball pretty quickly that um, that's why it works, you know, and that's why it's worked despite him not necessarily having too many deep threats over the years, you know, with the exception of, you know, Randy Moss or maybe even, you know, if you want to call Gronk kind of a guy, you can extend so but, you know, but there's so much value to those guys who are the safety valve guys, you know, close up. And, and that that back who can catch a ball is going to be really valuable. That's something they're going to try to get. I mean, like you said, it's, it's, it's really fascinating because, I mean, I feel like this year's draft is really high, heavy on those kind of guys. You know, it's um, you've got guys like, you know, the LSU running back who, you know, he mm-hmm. caught like, what was it, 50 some balls or something like that in in, in a season. And, and I know that's a Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hilaire. And, and, uh, and, and, and those, um, you know, obviously LSU had a, you know, ridiculous offense. Right. But still right. at a college game, you know, having that. And then you know, guys like Taylor who, you know, weren't known as really big pass catching running backs. And all of a sudden the seniors developed that skill set, And, and you can see that, that that's a part of their, of, of their weapons. So um, th- there's, there's a lot of guys out there, you know, that, that, that can do that. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure how much Ronald Jones could do that, you know, coming out of out of USC. But, um, you know, it, it's obviously something that he's still working on. And, you know, make no doubt, you know, Jason Lights, you know, when we've asked him about Ronald, about Ronald Jones, he's like, you know, he's still a really big, big part of our game plan. But, you know, they need to get better, whether that's him or whether that's a draft pick. They need to get better at that skill set, you know, in terms of of, of catching the ball out of the backfield of the running back. So, 
Um, you know, and there's so much stuff to it. It's, you know, there's, there's a blocking facet to it. There's, you know, there's route running that's, that's to, a facet to Big it. Big one, yeah. There's so many things mm-hmm. that, 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 that come out of being a really good receiving back. And, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not easy to do. So, um, you know, like, like we've said, you know, that that's something that they're really going to look at early on. If Taylor makes it to the second round, I might be a little surprised. I'd be very tempted to get him only because he was so productive in college and, and he's a guy that can do it in, in the passing game and is a good blocker and uh, a 10 on, on, on a scale of 10 as far as character goes. But Edwards Allaire will remind you a little of Doug, uh, Doug Martin, although a better player, um, even a better receiver, although Doug Martin caught a lot of balls when he was here, especially when he was in his productive years. Oh, by the way, his running backs coach, or one of them, was Kevin Falk, a guy that caught a million <laughs> passes from Tom Brady. So right. knows something about Brady and and, uh, and what that offense would do for him. But you're right, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers. I mean, there are so many guys in this draft that the Bucks can end up with. I think the other thing, Eduardo, that I would look at if I were a Bucks fan going into this draft is the receiver position. You say, what? Wait a minute. They've got some of the best receivers in the game, right? they got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and – you know, hey, uh, that's a good place to start. But remember what they lost, and that is Brashard Perriman. And I think, you know, Perriman struggled early on in the season. He didn't really have much of a chemistry with Jameis Winston. They were kind of searching for that third running back or third wide receiver and where to where to play him. And, you know, when first of all, when your options are Evans and Godwin, they're going to get most of the targets, right? I mean, you'd be stupid not to try to throw the ball to Mike Evans every time. And then if you can't find him, you try to find Chris Godwin. So right off the top, you know that that, that third receiver is not going to get as many targets. But even having said that, we saw what Perriman did when those two guys went down. And, and what he can do is stretch the field. I mean, he was a legitimate deep threat. And I'm not sure that that guy exists, you know, in terms of – I know Scotty Miller can run, but he's a smallish guy – um, not unlike some of the players that Brady has played with in the past, but not somebody that you're necessarily going to play, um, you know, inside in this offense just because you know Bruce Arians wants those guys to root out linebackers. So, having said all that, they've got to find a guy that can stretch the field. And 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 look, if if the offensive if the offensive line if the offensive tackle is not there, and it's too early to to maybe reach for a running back at that position, is it? out of the question that they don't say let's make the strongest room in the building even stronger and give Tom Brady another receiver. Yeah. I mean, the, the, that's, that's a good, good and interesting question. I mean, like, you know, they're going to have, they, they might have to be faced with a tough situation there in that, in that first and second rounds, you know, it's, and, and Jason light said this to us the other day is that, you know, sometimes the best player at a position trumps a position of need. You know, and then sometimes we've done that and that's worked out well in the draft. And, you know, if 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 one of these top receivers, you know, uh, you know, a guy like CeeDee Lamb or or Jerry Judy or, or guys like that who like are supposed to be, you know, gone probably off the board at that point are still there at 14. You know, Henry Ruggs, you know, from Alabama, you know, who knows? But um, and also, you know, they could be faced with that decision, too, on the defensive end, too, you know, if. I don't think this is going to happen, but if like a, you know, uh, Javon Kinlaw sits there at 14, that's tough to pass on that, you know, but I think for the most part that the receiving depth is so good that you can get a guy who, who you're looking for in that second or third round, you know, and you can get a burner too. You know, you, there's, there's a lot of guys out there who have, um, you know, who are really good receivers who are out there in the second, third rounds. Now, 
I think it might dry up after that third round. But you know, if you look yeah. at it like this, you know, offensive tackle first round, running back second round, you know, receiver third round, right? And and you know, it's yeah. not a, it's not obviously a, a big a big thing, but. Going into the fourth round, where you have two picks because you have a comp pick, right. I think if you, if you if you cross those those off your checklist, you know you'd have to. And you're the Bucks, you'd have to be feeling pretty good about yourselves at that point. And then you know once once kind of the later rounds go, you're kind of looking a little bit more at either pro- developmental guys or project guys or depth guys. So um, mm-hmm. you know it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. But I think you know those are the three things that if that's their checklist, that's what they're looking at. I think one other thing that that's a possibility in the first round, uh, and I know I'm skipping around at this point, and that would be, you know, if 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 the receiver is not something they want, they can't get the tackle, and running back is a reach. I think you got to look at the defensive line, and especially interior line. There's not many of those guys in the draft, right? Yeah. And there's only really probably one or two that are going to go in the first round. Um, I think Javon Kinlaw could be there for them. He's a kid from South Carolina, maybe the best story in the draft. A guy that was homeless. Um, you know, early in his life and uh, lived in basements with his mom with no electricity or running water and, um, you know, got on a Greyhound bus at 11 and went to South Carolina to live with his father and, you know, and went the JUCO route, ends up being an All-American. And he's a rare guy with strength and length and and, and power that when you look at this defense, yeah, they re-sign Indomitian Sioux and they have Jason Pierre-Paul back both on one-year deals. But they're going to have to start rebuilding that defensive line, and I would imagine that eventually they'll want a long-term agreement, you know, with Shaq Barrett, and he's franchised right now. But defensive line, you know, that that's always a value pick, and so I, I could see a scenario where maybe they go that route too. Yeah, and, and and there's and there's some pretty good guys in in the second and third rounds too at the defensive tackle. That's true. That, that's that's mm-hmm. a pretty big area of depth too in this draft, um, mm-hmm. along the receiver. But you're right. Kinlaw and and Derek Brown are two guys who are probably going to go within the top, you know, 15 picks. Could both go in the top 10 picks, um, and uh, th- they're pretty special. Those are they're, they're different players, but um, you know they're both guys who can make impact right away. But I mean, th- there's there's a lot of guys there. I mean, there's some really intriguing names in defensive tackle uh, that you might be able to get in the second and third rounds. You know, there's guys like you know Jordan Elliott, a guy from Missouri who was a one-year starter, but really came on strong and obviously playing against SEC competition. Uh, you know, uh, Neville Gallimore, a guy from Oklahoma who's a Canadian guy, uh, grew up in Ontario and played Oklahoma and uh, was really one of the one of the best defensive tackles out there. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and the, the thing is that a lot of these guys, a lot of their big strengths is stopping the run. Uh, some of them need, need a little bit more to, to kind of uh, – you know, develop it as pass rushers, which I think is what makes those two guys we talked about before, Brown and Kinlaw, stand out so much. They're complete players. You know, they they can mm-hmm. they can do both. So um, from the inside, but there's no doubt. You know, and 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 some of these guys are like who fits best within the scheme too, because we do know, you know, what what is demanded of those guys inside in in Todd Bowles' system and in the three four. And it's not. I mean, it it seems simple because those guys don't really get a lot of, you know, they don't get the sacks, you know, those are for the edge guys, you know, they don't get the, um, you know, they don't get a lot of the, the recognition um, unless they come up with a fumble or get a key sack or something. But th- those guys inside are so valuable to everything that runs through that offense and through that defense. So yes. getting a guy there that, that can do some of those things would be really valuable. And like I said, I think, uh, you know, even in the fourth round, I think there's some, 
some opportunity to get some of that def- that guys at defensive tackle. And you know, like you said, defensive, you know, the outside linebacker slash defensive end position. Pass there's there's going to be some. Uh, there's no doubt that there's there's depth that needs to be addressed. You know, uh, you know they lost Carl Nassib, they lost Bo Allen in the middle, and those aren't guys who are really like, you know, they're not like, you know, oh my God, you lost these guys. But you know, those are guys that play quality snaps and had you know quality impact for this team. So. Uh, you know, they're really going to have to – that's really going to be a priority, I think, especially when you move beyond maybe those first couple rounds. Yeah, you're going to have to get that at some point in the uh, in the draft. And, and the receivers I'm talking about that uh, are targeted to go around 14 would be uh, the ones from Alabama. Of course, Jerry Judy um, in some mocks. They got him going to the Raiders or, or to the Jets. Henry Ruggs, um, another Alabama. Both those guys can really, really run. Um, so you'd look for that there. And then as far as defensive tackles go, the, the first one off the board is going to be Derek Brown. I mean, he is he is complete beast. Everybody I talked to at the Combine, those offensive linemen, almost to a man, said the hardest guy to block was Derek Brown. So yeah. that's a pretty good start. Here's my question, and I'll let you go on this. As far as the draft itself goes and the biggest surprise and what, what the biggest mystery is, Eduardo, I think it's to attack of a low. I mean, where does he go? Is it, Are the Miami Dolphins going to have a chance to pick a quarterback at number five maybe the second quarterback off the board. And if they do, are they going to pass on on Tua and go with Justin Herbert? I mean, that it just it seems like that's all you hear now, which makes me a little little one, you know, makes me wonder whether that's actually the truth. And then the Chargers are right behind them at 6. I think both those spots are going to get quarterbacks. Yeah, I think it's pretty, you know, you look at all the mocks and for the most part, I think it has both of those teams taking quarterbacks now. It, it changes on which quarterback they take between Herbert and, and Tagovailoa, and you know I think you know, it, it, it all comes down to whether the Dolphins are sold on his health, you know, and onto his health. And you know I, I think that they, it, you know, and, and, and you know Justin Herbert is a guy who has risen up the, the the draft boards. He's a guy who you know has you know does well did well at the combine, you know passes all the eye tests. You know, he's a guy who, who people really like. Um, he's he's not Tua, you know. He's he's not a um, you know. And 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 the thing about about him is that he can be a guy who uh, we know about. You know what he can do with the, the the his huddle presence. You know, obviously playing playing in Alabama, what what they've done with him at quarterback. I mean, remember that those first few games when they put him in when he was a uh, you know filling in for Jalen Hurts and. and the impact that a guy like that as a freshman can make, you know, imagine what he can right. do with an NFL team if he's healthy. Um, and, and that's just some of the stuff that maybe Justin Herbert doesn't have, but so it's, it's kind of what you value. Right. And like the dolphins, I think we talked about this before is, you know, they've been looking for that franchise quarterback for a long, long, long time. So mm-hmm. it can go both, it can go both ways. You know, they can be almost tricked into p- picking t- Tua and they can be tricked into not picking Tua, you know? Right. But, um, I think at the end of the day, they're probably going to do it, you know, and I've gone back. You think they're going to get to it? Yeah. I think a couple of days ago, we, 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 I think I told you that I think they were going to go to Herbert, but for some reason, I think that they're just going to, they're just going to think to themselves like almost reverse psychology of it. Be like, we can't not (laughs) take the guy guy. you weren't going to (laughs) take. Right. We can't not pick this guy. Just like, I mean, just like the, the, the the Bengals can't not pick Joe Burrow, you know, like, like I'm sure they love Joe Burrow. The Cincinnati Bengals can't not take him. You know, Chase Young could be an incredible, impactful, game-changing player for the next, you know, Hall of Fame years. player. Right. Could be a Hall of Fame but, player. Yeah. But they but they don't they don't have a choice. They gotta pick Joe Burrow. So 
I think it might be the and same you know thing what, with, 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 with two and the Dolphins. You know, what's funny is Nick Saban, who had a choice one time between Dante Culpepper and Drew Brees, and Drew Brees coming off a severe shoulder injury and Culpepper with a knee scope or knee injury, he took the safer guy medically in Culpepper, and he'd still be coaching in the NFL if he had taken Drew Brees. And he is the coach of Tua Tagovailoa and said, don't do what I do, do what I say. The Miami Dolphins need to take Tua or they're going to have the same outcome I had and that is you're going to watch a player a player haunt you for the rest of your of your career and he's going to go to the Hall of Fame so that'll be something to watch. Well, we'll be watching remotely, virtually. Uh check us out on tampabay.com because uh there's going to be some some fun video this time uh that we hope to get up there as well. Myself and my buddy cop talking a little talking a little ball. So uh that'll be something to look forward to. Thanks Ed, we appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks for having me, buddy cop. All right, well, we'll see how it all plays out tonight. First round of the NFL draft, and uh, then we'll be, back. we'll be back tomorrow to give you the analysis, tell you who won, <laughs> who lost, what their grade is. I love the letter grades. Everybody gets an A um, in the first round. But uh, we'll, we'll be sure to, to let you know. And, and my prediction for all these teams, in case you're wondering, whether they trade up, down, or, any, or out, is that all of them will take the guy that was rated the highest on their board and the draft will fall exactly how they expected it to. <laughs> Even though there's 10 That's trades in the it. first 12 picks, you know, exactly, exactly. how we expected Oh, they it. saw all of it. Yeah, exactly. You know, it went exactly how we, we, we planned for every scenario. And we, that's, that's exactly how we thought it would go. And you know what? He, we were hoping he would be there. We're watching him fall. We're watching the, and it came, you know what? Just the way we set up the board, I want to credit John Spytek and my great scouting staff. <laughs> I'm going to hear all of that. <laughs> and you know, some of it's true. Okay. The rest of it, fertilizer. But that's all right. There's, there's always the a nugget of truth in there. <laughs> there is some truth, and and then not. And we'll you know, and we'll see what happens to OJ Howard or if, if anything or Cam Braid or any of those guys. Um, but uh, yeah, so it should be fun. So tomorrow night or tomorrow, uh, we'll break down the round one of the draft, and then of course the draft will continue through the weekend, and we'll talk to you about that uh, on Sunday night as well. So for Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.